he talked about the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those who understand their spiritual condition, that we are poor in spirit. We're separated from God apart from Jesus Christ. We are lost. And no matter where we're at in our walk with the Lord, we need to remember that, that we always need His grace and mercy. You know, once we find Him, we're not lost anymore, but we still, we still have that need. It's still, it's still there. We still need His grace and mercy. Today we're going to go on to the next um, beatitude. It's in Matthew, the fifth chapter, the fourth verse. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, you know, we think about mourning. We think about, well, what things do we mourn? And usually the first thing we think about is death. That the first thing we think about when we think about mourning is we mourn the loss of someone. Death of a loved one, death of a friend. Loss of a job. Loss of a job can cause us to mourn. Divorce causes us to mourn. Leaving friends or friends leaving you is a cause to mourn. And I believe that God wants us to know that in those losses, in those times of loss, that, that He is there to comfort us. That He wants to comfort us. That, that when we mourn, He wants to be our comfort. In 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, Beginning at the third verse, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It says that God is the God of all comfort. And you know, it's maybe sometimes hard when we think about God comforting us, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to get a, get a grasp on that, but it says that he does it through people, that we may be able to comfort those. And so we see that God's comfort in those times comes through people. He sends people to comfort us, to bring his comfort, that we are vessels of his comfort, that God uses us to bring comfort in those times. You know, it's, it's it's difficult times and and we want the Lord to comfort us and, and we say, Lord, sometimes where are you? What's going on? You know, I, I I don't know where you're at. I can't I can't I can't feel you. But he wants us to know in those times that he is there with us. And he is a God of comfort. And he's a God that brings comfort to us. And he also reminds us that we have responsibility. We have a responsibility to comfort one another. You know, Mary shared this morning about gathering together. And one of the reasons we gather together is to encourage one another and to be there for one another and to bring comfort or encouragement or whatever somebody might need. That We are God's vessel to bring that to those around us. And we must always remember that. One of the interesting things I think sometimes people in the world tries to do is say that, uh, well, there is no problem. We don't really need comforted because we just kind of ignore all our problems. You know, sometimes, you know, just forget your troubles. Well, you know, you can say forget your troubles, but it's hard to just forget your troubles. Or sometimes the world says, don't worry, be happy. Well, that's great. That's great. But in the midst of something, in the midst of whatever I'm going through, in the midst of what my trial is, I need comfort. I need, I need you know, I need to face it. Not just pretend that it's not there. Not just to avoid that. You know, sometimes people, 
you know, say, well, I don't like to go to funeral homes. I don't like to go to funerals. You know, just I'm going to try to avoid that whole thing. Well, I just want you to know eventually you're going to face it. <laughs> one, one way or another, eventually you're going to face it. So, you know, we might as well just go and realize that in the midst of that, God wants to comfort us. He wants to be there for us. And there's another aspect of, of mourning that I want to I look at this morning. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I want to take a look at that. And I want us to think about a story in the Old Testament. It was interesting in Sunday school. We started talking about this story this morning. Uh, but it was interesting. Um, in the Old Testament, King David, who was the king, um, saw a beautiful woman one day bathing on her rooftop. And, and David uh, wanted to be with her. And so David worked it out so he could do that, and then he committed adultery with this woman. And then he tried to cover it up by he was going to send her husband into battle. So he says, well, I'll, I'll take care of this whole situation. I'll just eliminate the husband. So he sends him into battle, and he puts him in a position where he's going to be killed. And so now he not only commits adultery, but now he's actually murdered somebody, and he's the king. And in the midst of that, um, he ended up losing a child. And, and we see that David has a reaction to what he has done. Um, you know, we all do various things. Uh, you know, that's pretty drastic if you really think about it. You know, that's pretty drastic. I mean, you know, commit adultery and murder somebody. Nowadays, you would end up in jail for that for a long time. David was the king. And it's so interesting, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, how does all this work? How does all this work? And I believe we have to look and see what David's response is to this situation. You know, he paid a price. He paid a price. And David responded in Psalm 51. I want to read for you the first six verses. This is David's response to what had happened after Nathan the prophet which, you know, and back up a little bit, but Nathan the prophet came to David and he told him a story of a man who did some bad. Anyway, and he said, David, you're the one. You know, you're, you're the one. And, David, and God was pointing out to David, I know what you did. I know what you did. And so David's response in Psalm 51, he says, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. When your sin is always before you, it is a constant reminder of what you've done. And David says, my sin is always before me. It was that guilt, that knowing what he had done was always before him. And he says against you, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. David acknowledges his sin. He acknowledges his sin. And I believe that David also mourned for his sin. You know, there's one thing to acknowledge your sin, and, you know, I always say, you know, children, they will, you know, when they're, when they're caught, and you got them, when you got to get them good, because otherwise they'll go, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. But when you got them good, and you can prove it, and they know you got them, they'll go, 
okay, I did it. And okay, I'm sorry. I believe mourning is another step. I believe mourning is a place where we really come to grips with what we've done. And we, we say like David, Lord, have mercy upon me. I've sinned against you and against you only. I've done what is evil in your sight. You know, Lord, forgive me. I believe David got to that place. I believe he mourned for what he had done. You know, he was, he was, it was beyond sorry. And then we see it go on down in, in verse 17. Then David says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have, you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of the bloodshed, O God. The God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You know, David, once he acknowledges his sin, he mourns for what he has done. Then it begins to turn a little bit, and David says, Lord, bless me. Create in me a clean heart. You know, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And David, he, he has that, that point of mourning, but then he goes to, Lord, you're the one that's going to bless me. You're the one that's going to bless me. You're going to create in me a clean heart. You're going to make a right spirit within me. You're going to restore to me the joy of my salvation. You're going to restore that which I had before. You're going to uphold me with your generous spirit. Deliver me from guilt. Oh, what a, what a statement. Deliver me from guilt. You know, it's bad enough when you do something, you know you did it, and you confess it, and you ask for forgiveness. But to be delivered from guilt is a whole other step. And I believe that God wants to know that he wants to comfort us and deliver us from guilt when we mourn. He wants us to take us to that point where we're not feeling guilt. And then David says, help me to praise you, O Lord. Open my lips. Help me to praise you. You know, David went from guilt and mourning to forgiveness and comfort. Now, it's not always, you know, a two-minute trip. But I believe we need to know that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That God wants to take us from that place of mourning and understanding what we've done sometimes to a place of being blessed. Being blessed, that he forgives us. You know, one of the songs we sang this morning says, as he forgives us, it was um, as the sea. It was a picture of, you know, it's as big as this mercy, as endless as the sea. Endless, forgiveness, mercy. It's as endless as the sea. In Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter, beginning at the sixth verse, It says, nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. It says, God who comforts the downcast sent somebody to comfort us. 
and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he is comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though not only for a while. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. He says, you know, God comforts. He says God comforts those who are downcast. He comforts those who come to the realization of what they've done. They come to the realization of what's happened. You know, Paul sent these folks a letter bringing rebuke to them for something they had done. And Paul says, I'm happy that my letter led to your sorrow. He says, I'm, I'm happy that it made you come to a point of sorrow and mourning for what you've done. And then he says, because that sorrow and mourning led to repentance, led to a change. Godly sorrow produces repentance. Godly mourning produces repentance, and repentance leads to salvation. God comforts those who mourn. He comforts those who mourn. But we have to mourn. I often wonder sometimes how we, we don't really mourn for maybe what we do. We, we're sorry. And we would really like the, the repercussions to go away. We would really like things to kind of change. I don't know that I'm really to a point of mourning and, and repenting of saying, well, I'm not going to do that again. People ask me sometimes what it will take for our nation to turn. And I said, I'm not sure what will take us to a point of mourning. What will really take us to a point of mourning? Oh, we can be sorry. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry things are bad. I'm sorry it's hard. I'm sorry for a lot of things. But what will take us to a point of mourning? Because I believe only when we get to the point of mourning can God really come and bring us comfort and bless us. That only that godly mourning and sorrow is the only thing that leads to the joy of our salvation. You know, it's not, there's not shortcuts. There's not shortcuts. In uh, Luke, the seventh chapter, Luke, the seventh chapter, the 40th verse. Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus says, you've rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. 
Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I believe this woman in this story was a woman who I believe understood her condition. And Jesus looked and he says, Peter, I want you to see something. He goes, you know, this woman has not ceased to love me since the time I got here. And he's kind of saying, Peter, you just kind of sat there and did nothing. You've just kind of, you know, you haven't responded. But this woman can't stop. And he said, the reason is because she understands her condition and she understands how much she's been forgiven. And I believe that that condition and understanding that, I believe, brings us to a point of mourning. When we know who we are and we know what we've done and we, we're, we're sorry. And then her expression was one of love. Her expression was one that was love. And, and Lord, I, there was, it, it appears like there was, she couldn't do enough. She couldn't do enough to say thank you. The Bible says, to whom much is forgiven, to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And to whom much is forgiven, they love much. And my feeling on this is it's a matter of understanding because I think we've all sinned about the same. Whether we've, whether we've done a little bit or we've done a lot, we're all the same boat. But sometimes somebody that's done a lot understands how much God has forgiven them. Sometimes the harder part is when God, we feel, hasn't, we haven't done much. We're, we're pretty good people and we haven't really caused a big problem. The danger is then at that point, we haven't really mourned for our sin. We kind of go, yeah, I know we've all sinned. We haven't really mourned because, well, we're not too bad. We're not too far off. Are we like Peter? Do we, do we fall in that category then like Peter who doesn't really understand maybe? But here comes this woman who knows who she is and knows how much she's been forgiven. I don't think we have to sin a lot to get to that position. I don't think we should go out and say, well, I guess then. I might as well go out and do a whole bunch of bad stuff. You know, I, as a young person, if you've never heard my testimony, but that was a struggle I had at about the age of 10 or 12. Because I heard the story of Paul. And I, and I heard, you know, this rotten guy was out killing Christians and doing all kinds of bad stuff. He goes on this road, and God knocks him off his horse, and, you know, Paul gets saved. And so I'm thinking, okay, do I, is that what I, you know, I've lived a, I have never done anything that bad. I've, I've never, you know, I haven't killed people. I've been a good kid. I didn't get in a lot of trouble. Maybe I need to get in a lot of trouble so that I can be really bad, so I can get saved. Because it looks like God saves people that do a lot of really bad things. And you know, the Lord had to sovereignly, I believe, speak to me and say, no, you're in that same condition. I had to get an understanding that I didn't have to go do bad things. I was already in that condition just the way I was, even though I wasn't as bad as this guy who did all these bad things and got saved, that I still needed that same salvation right where I was. Somehow you got to come to that point. Somehow you gotta, you got to realize your position and mourn for, oh, wow, this is bad. This is bad. I have a need. 
People who don't have a need don't need a Savior. One of the hardest things with sharing the gospel with people is when people don't have a need, it's very difficult to share the gospel because they don't think they need a Savior. Now, they do, and we need to share the word with them try to get them to understand that no matter who they are, they have sinned and they have that need, but it's difficult. You get somebody that's led a really rotten life, you'll have more trouble kind of convince them that God wants to forgive them because they think, well, how would God ever forgive me for all the rotten things I've done? They know they have a need. And they will mourn their situation quicker than somebody thinks, there's nothing wrong with me. So I believe it's important for all of us to realize we need to understand our position. And no matter who we are, we mourn. We mourn for without him. Without him, we are nothing. Without him, we have no forgiveness. Without him, we have no way back to the Father. Because it's not based upon my works or what I do or what I've done or I haven't done, but it's based upon what Jesus has done for me on my behalf. And unless I get to that point, I can't be comforted. I can't be, uh, God, he can't bless me because I think I can bless myself. I think I can handle it. I think I can take care of it. The last scripture I want to share with you is from Psalms 32. Psalms 32, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed, blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It says, Blessed are he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. That's when we're blessed. That's when we're blessed. That's when God can bless us. That's when he can bless us. He can bless us when we understand who we are and our need. When we really come to grips with that. And we mourn. We mourn. We, we feel the sense of need for a Savior because in the midst of that, we're lost. We're lost. And when we do that, then God blesses us, blesses us. He doesn't condemn us. He blesses us. We condemn ourselves. We condemn each other. The devil condemns us. God doesn't condemn us. He forgives us. He forgives us. When we come to him, it doesn't matter. You know, David, he was a murderer. He was an adulterer. And he got his heart right with God. He came to him. And God said, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And that's what he says to each and every one of us, no matter where we're at, no matter what we've done. Blessed are those who mourn, because they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we mourn over, Lord, that you want to stand there and comfort us in the midst of that. Lord, when we come to grips with who we are, what we've done, when we come to grips with our shortcomings and our failures, Lord, that in the midst of that, you want to comfort us and you want to bless us. You want to forgive us. Lord, that's a love that we have a hard time understanding. Lord, help us to receive that love. Help us to allow you to love us and forgive us. 
Lord, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you that you don't condemn us. Lord, that you don't condemn us, but you forgive us and your mercy is as endless as the sea. So Lord, we just pray as we go forth today that we might go forth blessed, forgiven by you. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.